All right. Grab a Bible and turn to Proverbs 29. Proverbs 29. We may be starting a series tonight. I'm not 100% sure, but it may be a series. We'll see how it goes. Um, This uh, verse, verse 25, is one of those verses that should be underlined, highlighted, memorized, because it's a very important verse. Uh, It's the only time that this expression is found in the Bible, but the concept is found throughout the Scriptures. In verse 25 of Proverbs 29, the Holy Spirit says, The fear of man brings a snare... But whoever trusts in the Lord shall be safe. Short contrast, right? There's a a literary format here where the first line is contrasted by the second line. The fear of man brings a snare, but whoever trusts in the Lord shall be safe. And you might say, the fear of man? Isn't that a narrow subject for us to be talking, let alone one Wednesday night, uh, how much more a series about the fear of men? How is it going to be helpful to me? After all, I'm not afraid of people. How is it going to benefit me? These may be questions that you may be asking yourself and may be going through your minds as I talk about the fear of men. And they are valid questions that should be asked. But in order to answer them, we must first define what the fear of man is. And when we define it, you're going to see that this is not just here in Proverbs 29, 25, but it's really a concept that's throughout the scriptures. So the fear of men is a moral fear that keeps a person from doing what is right or encourages a person to do what is wrong. So those are the two sides of the fear of men. Either uh, keeps you from doing what is right or encourages you to do what is wrong. And it is important to emphasize the word moral. It's a moral fear. It's not just uh, because there's fear that is amoral. Do you see the do you understand the difference between amoral and immoral? Amoral is wrong, right? Amoral is there's no moral value or judgment. It's 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 there. You know, you're not breaking any law or anything like that. The fear of man is not the same thing as being afraid of a poison snake, you know, that's about to bite you, or uh, a man brandishing a gun in your face. Uh, that, those are legitimate fears. They're not moral fears. You're not sinning by having those fears. Um, two days ago, Tyson's mom, so Tini's fiance's mom, stopped at a traffic light. A man walked across and started shooting into her car. She ducked, and the bullet hits the, the headrest in, in, in her car. And he, he unloaded a clip on all the cars that were stopped the traffic light. You should be afraid of that, right? I think it'd be inhuman uh, to not be afraid of that. That's not the kind of fear that we are... T- but she's fine. She did not get hit by a bullet. You know, She kind of took off, and, and, and uh, I think eventually they arrested the, the person... 
But that's the kind of stuff you should be afraid of. That's, that's, there's no morality there. Uh, the, the, and we should be afraid of these things. But that's not what the fear of man is. The, Jesus says that the fear of man must give way to the fear of God. To fear man is not to fear God. It's the opposite of fearing God. In Matthew 10, 28, the Lord says, Do not fear those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul, but rather fear him who is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. So here Jesus himself contrasts fearing men with fearing God. Right, The one that can destroy both body and soul in hell is God himself. Now, can you think of any examples of such fears in the Bible? If you think of the narratives or the parables in the scriptures, can you think of examples where a character in the Bible is fearing men rather than fearing God? Adam? Nicodemus came to Jesus that night. Right, so, yes. And he came, it's interesting you brought that up, uh, because uh, it says they came to him by night, and the way that's written is the kind of action that's only done by night. You know, he, I, I conflate the visit of Nicodemus to Jesus with the Pink Panther movie. Remember how he goes like this on the wall? Not to be seen. And he looks like the, the wallpaper. That's kind of like a picture of Nicodemus coming to see Jesus. You know, hidden in the, the shadows so that nobody sees that he's coming to see Jesus. And why is it that he does that, Adam? This fear, the other fearing the other leaders, right? They might see that he's going to see Jesus. What what other examples of the fear of men, Jerry? Peter denying Christ. Peter denying Christ, right? Right. All these people, who are people of no consequence, right? A, a young slave woman, uh, other servants, and he's so afraid of professing Christ that he denies them there. What else? Scott. Right. He, yeah, remember the story? The barrack wouldn't lead the army. And Deborah said, okay, I'll go with you. But you're going to be ashamed because history is going to say that a woman led the army when you should have been the one leading the army. Zayn, do you have your heart? Yeah. Uh, Jonah. Jonah. Um, how, was, how was the fear there manifested? All right. Okay. What else? Philly. Elijah was afraid of. Yeah. And that's a very peculiar... Because if you look at the narrative there in First Kings, he just had 430 prophets of Baal destroyed. He had just brought fire from heaven onto the, the super wet offerings. And the next thing we find from him, he's running away from, from well, he's able to run in superhuman speed ahead of, uh, of Ahab. And then all of a sudden, in the midst of all that, he's afraid of Jezebel. I saw some, Doug. All the warriors of Israel afraid of uh, the giant. The, the, yes. If you go to 1 Samuel 6, 15, 16, 17, they have the entire army of Israel afraid of Goliath. Uh, and David comes in and said, Why are you, isn't God our God? Why are we letting him defy uh, the Lord? Uh, Steve. Moses. In, when he was falling because he stuttered. Right, so he said, Lord, I can't really talk. 
right? And, and God says, who made the tongue? Do you think I can't take care of that? To keep his reputation, yeah, so there's an element of the fear of man there. What else? Okay, that's the first one that was on my list. <laughs> but I'm super glad, because then you get the concept. Yes, Abraham lying to um, Abimelech. Now, Abimelech was a little gullible, right? Because he fell into that, not only with uh, Abraham, but also with Isaac uh, later on. But Abraham, when he goes and he's afraid, oh, oh, sorry, Abraham does with, once with Abimelech and once with the, the king of Egypt. And he goes to the king of Egypt and says, Sarah, tell them that you're my sister, not my wife, because they might kill you. Might kill me, I mean. And he puts his wife in danger so that he can protect his skin. What else? In, in the Gospel of John, you have these secret disciples. In, uh, in John 12, 42-43, there, the, there are these people who believed in Jesus, but would not say so because they were afraid of being kicked out of the synagogue. And then if you remember the third, the, the, the one-talent man in Matthew 25, says that he hid the money because he was afraid. Afraid of what the, the, the man would do. To him, so you have an idea of what the fear of man is. How are how's the fear of man called? Are there other titles given to the fear of man? In, 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 not just in the Bible, but in general, how can we translate the biblical language of fear of man into language that people understand? People pleasers, okay? Yes. What else? Codependency, yes. That, that's in my list too. It, it, that word has fallen a little bit out of uh, 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 vogue. In the 80s and 90s, pretty much every Christian uh, self-help or psychology book was about codependence. What else? Being a coward. <laughs> okay, being a coward. Yeah. Pride. That's one way to say it. <laughs> yeah, pride. pride is at the root, right? Is at the root there. But we have to take a couple steps there. Um, Darren, being shy. being shy, yes. What else? Grace. Peer pressure, yes. So I had a, a, a small list here. Peer pressure is, is just another word for the fear of man. People pleasing, codependency. And then I threw this in just because... Uh, it's good to see that these big titles, the next one, don't, doesn't mean that the Bible doesn't address it. Have you ever heard of agoraphobia? The fear of going outside? The fear of being around people? Well, that's the fear of men, that Proverbs 29, 25. So the Bible addresses that. Even the complicated words, if you boil down to biblical principles, that is there as well. And that's not it. There are other issues... That's not just it. There are other issues that also will come across as the fear of men. For example, perfectionism. Perfectionism that might keep a person from doing things. That's a manifestation of the fear of men. Um, uh, so-called low self-esteem. 
can be based on what others might think of a person. And that would be an, uh, an example of the fear of man. Body image issues, for the same reason as low self-esteem can be a manifestation of fear of man, body image issues can be also anxiety. Anxiety is often based on the fear of man. Marital issues can be based on the fear of that. Somebody, a couple or a spouse may have undue concern for opinions of parents. That's part of the fear of man. Failing to leave and cleave. That's part of the fear of man. Brandon. Okay. All right. What, what other issues? What are other issues that might find their roots in the fear of men? Any thoughts? Being easily offended. Being easily offended, yes. What else? Jim? Lack of faith. Lack of faith? Okay. Okay. All right. Brandon? Not being bold and snap for the truth, yes. What up? Yes. Yes. Be an alcoholic, you know, an overachiever because that's you want people to think of you that way, right? That's your identity. Correct. Yes. Scott. Not sharing the gospel, yes, as part of what Brandon said, that not standing for the truth and sharing the gospel. Nick? Comparing yourself to other people. Comparing yourself to other people, yes. What else? Needing other people around you to control or to affirm you. All right, yes. Having to always have an entourage or a posse that's either affirming you or that you can't control, yes. What else? So you can see that that's, this is not a narrow subject. And every one of us, in either some stage of our lives or in some areas of our lives, struggle or have struggled with this idea of the fear of man. Before we continue, let me just share with you uh, four resources that uh, would be helpful if you want to read more. Uh, Lupriolo... Oh. Lou Priolo has a book called How, uh, People Pleasing, How Not to Be an Approval Junkie. It's a, it's a really good book. Um, if you're only going to read one of this list, When People Are Big and God is Small, Overcoming Peer Pressure, Codependence, and the Fear of Man by Ed Welch. That's a must read for every Christian, I think. So if you haven't yet, that's, it's in our library. You can borrow it. Running scared, fear, worrying and the God of rest, especially if you're struggling with anxiety. This is a great book. And then um, as a workbook for you to work through yourself or help your children that might be struggling with this, um, The Fear Factor. I think they changed the name. I can't remember what the new name is, but the copy I have is called The Fear Factor, What Satan Doesn't Want You to Know by Wayne, Ma- Wayne and Joshua Mack. It's a workbook, and uh, very good to work through. So these are some resources. What's the danger of fearing men? Well, fearing man is in opposition to fearing God. We already saw that when we look at Matthew 10, 28. So when you're fearing man, 
at that moment, you're not fearing God. In that situation, in that subject, in that context, you're not fearing God. No, try, trying to juggle fearing man and fearing God at the same time is trying to serve two masters. Much like what Jesus says concerning money. You can't say serve two masters. You can't serve the Lord and, and mammon or money. Well, you cannot serve man and God at the same time. You cannot fear man and fear God at the same time. Now, there's a prevalent pop psychology idea that you can't really love others before you learn to love yourself. That's not what the scriptures teach. The scriptures teach that our first duty is to love God. And then, love others. And implying this is that we're already pretty good at loving ourselves. We don't need to work on that. We already know what that is. Are you with me so far? So you can see that there's a, it's very dangerous to fear, fear men. Um, fearing men is not an, in, an insignificant misunderstanding by the destructive sin. In our passage that we began with, says the fear of men is a snare. You know what snare is? When I went to seminary, in the building of the seminary, they had this farsight calendar. You know what farsight is? Okay, so they had the farsight calendar with different... And one of them, it, it, they had... He often had prehistoric men, right? In the, in the, and it was this guy with a snare for a saber-toothed tiger. And he's inside of the snare waiting to pull the, the, the trigger for the tiger to be trapped inside of the snare with him. So a snare is a trap, right? Something that construed, constru- built, constructed to capture. And when is a trap efficient? When, is a, when does a trap actually work? When it catches it? Yes. That's way too obvious, even to, for me. But other than that, what... When when is a tra- a trap at its best? When it's in a place your life is your friend. Okay, all right. When it's on you on your way, and what else? When you can't see. When do I say, Alex? So yes, when you can't see a trap is most efficient when you can't see it. It's there, but you can't see it because hopefully, if we saw a trap we would go around or do something so we wouldn't be ensnared uh, by it. But not only that, a trap is, is, has to be attractive. It has to be something that attracts you to it. Right? So the fear of man is a temptation we need to be always aware of because we might fall into it without noticing it. It is designed to do just that for us, to trap us even when we're not noticing it. And the fear of man is not safe. Because if you, again, Proverbs 29, 25, the fear of man is a snare, but those that trust the Lord are safe. Implied in that is that the fear of man is not safe. Um, so, we need to figure out, do we fear men? Do we, do we struggle with this tendency to fear men? Well, I actually, we're actually going to take a test. So hopefully you can grab one of those mini pencils that Josiah so diligently sets up every Josiah Hollander every Sunday. He comes early and makes sure they are sharpened and put it there. And then you are so good at putting the little in the little slot that nobody can get out of there in the middle. So 
you're going to need a piece of paper that's not the hymnal. Uh, maybe the back of a prayer list or something like that. And this is a, a, a Lou Priolo developed a, a people-pleasing inventory. Uh, the, he, he tested in, in a sample uh, group. It's not a super large sample, but large enough. Uh, in, in each slide, you're going to have the chart in which you're going to ra- uh, rate yourself according. So it's one through five, and then the, the chart is there. So it is about 19, 19 questions. Um, and it will be helpful for you to work through it. And the reason why it's important that you write down because you're going to need to add at the end. So go close to somebody who knows math or something like that or get your phone out. Okay? So here, here's the, how you're going to rate it. Okay? Never or hardly ever as a five, seldom four, sometimes three, frequently two, always or almost always one. And it's subjective, right? So the range, you, you figure it out what you're going to do. I'm going to flash four questions at a time, and I'll read them aloud, but you can start rating yourself even, no, okay? I should have told you, right? Huh? No, you do not have to announce your score. You just keep to yourself. You can, but you just, you, uh, at the end, it's just your own information uh, there, okay? And so, here we go. I listen with anxious attentiveness when others discuss that which pleases or displeases them. I strive to be politically correct more than biblically correct. I like to go fishing for compliments. I gossip about others to people whom I believe will be pleased with me for giving them such luscious tidbits of information. Stop here for a second. Hey. My desire for a good reputation is predominantly based on how such a reputation will benefit me rather than how that reputation will serve as a means to a greater end such as the glory of God, the good of others, or some other unselfish objective. Six, I value the approval of certain individuals from whom I expect to receive certain honors more than the approval of those from whom I do not expect to receive such honors. Seven, I worry about what people think of me. Eight, I am willing to sin rather than face the rejection of certain individuals. Wait just a second, I'm going to change the slide. So all these are going to disappear. All right. Nine. I struggle with being a respecter of persons and showing favoritism. Ten, I believe that being rejected is one of the worst things that a person could possibly experience. Eleven, I avoid conflict rather than trying to resolve them. Twelve, I take unnecessary precautions to protect my good name. Thirteen, 
I become angry when I am contradicted by others, especially when being publicly contradicted. I misspelled on my paper, but it's spelled right up there. 14. When meeting new people, I spend more time thinking about how to impress them than how to minister to them. 15. My fear of being rejected paralyzes me to the extent that it keeps me from getting close to others. 16. I forget that being rejected by others is part of the suffering for righteousness' sake that is my reasonable service to God and part of my calling as a Christian. Okay, wait a second here. I'm going to flip. All these are going to disappear. And then we have the last four. Seventeen, I long to be noticed more than I long to be godly. Eighteen, I give in to peer pressure rather than standing up for what I know is right. Nineteen, I do not witness to others as I should because I fear being criticized or rejected. Twenty, I over react to criticism by dwelling on it too long or unnecessarily allowing it to depress me. All right. So, here is how you're going to grade yourself. Okay? And if you feel the need to change your grade, that's another evidence of the fear of men. <laughs> so, <laughs> All right. If you scored between... Okay, you have to add all those points now. I'm going to... Even make it disappear so that you don't see the results. See, Aliyah is smart. She has a phone and she's using the calculator. Yeah. Five bucks she had for you, too. <laughs> All right. Are you guys done? I don't want to show the category so that they don't feel tempted to change your answers. Are we good? Okay, here we go. So, okay. Okay, so here it goes. If you scored between 96 and 100, you do not have a problem with people pleasing. You may have a problem with being insensitive, callous, or even hard-hearted, but you do not have a problem with people pleasing. Okay? If you scored between 90 and 95, you're probably free from the love of approval. If you score between 80 and 89, you are probably a bit too concerned when it comes to the approval of others. If you scored between 70 and 79, you may, in fact, be a bona fide people pleaser. If, you scored, if your score is 69 or below, you may be very well in approval at it. You are probably somewhat enslaved to the approval of man. So it's not a scientific test, but it's a, it's a test developed by somebody with 30 years of experience in counseling and, and used broadly so he has a, a, a good data set to base that there. 
And so that could help you as we go on, perhaps, in this study, to figure out how to listen to it. Uh, but even if you scored 100, um, well, if you scored 100, I don't, wanna, I don't want you to talk to people because you'd be a jerk to them. Uh, but if you scored in the normal range of the 90s, uh, it still would be good for you to hear so you can help other people. The point is that God calls us to fear him with a fear that brings freedom. And godly fear is the reality of faith in God through Jesus Christ and treasuring Christ above all things. Really, that's what godly fear is. Treasuring Christ above all things. Lord willing, if, if we continue in this, we'll see that God has already given us what we need to fear him. He, uh, the Apostle Paul tells young Timothy, who struggled with the fear of men. That's the main thing. When you look, read First and Second Timothy, you see there you have a timid man who struggled with, uh, with people being adversary towards him. Paul says this, For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. He didn't give us, have a spirit, uh, give us a spirit that causes us to fear men, but a spirit that causes us to fear him. Any comments or questions before we close? All right, so let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you that you're good to us. We thank you that you have given us Christ and that he points us to you. We thank you that your spirit is working in us that we might fear you. Free us from the fear of men. Help us to fear you, to serve you, to reverence you, to be consumed by your glory. We pray you dismiss us with our, your blessings and bring us back into your house to worship you on your day, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.